0: Mark chapter 16. not fair. My mama used to tell me the same thing and say, that life's not fair, get over it. Build a bridge and get over it, yeah. She had lots of little sayings like that that I didn't like. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus is speaking. Okay, And he says this. He said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then I'm going to read one out of 1 John 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not burdensome. So he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And John said... This is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we are grateful to be here. Uh, We thank you just for the opportunity to be in your house. Uh, We thank you for how you spoke to us during our revival. How you spoke to us this morning during the Sunday school time and the worship time. Father, speak to us again tonight as only you can by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let your word go forth in truth and in power and accomplish exactly what you want it to accomplish. These things I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. If we're not careful, uh, the easiest thing for a church to lose is its evangelical edge. The sharpness for the gospel to be shared. I I think back to... um, an organization in our day called the YMCA. And if you ask uh, most people, uh, they've dropped the C out of it. They don't know what the C stood for to begin with. Do you realize that the YMCA was started as a Christian organization June 4th, 1844, when 12 young men met uh, in London, England? At that time, people were f- coming to London to look for work. And this young man and twelve others began to pray. And not only would they find work, but they would find Christ. And they began to meet in this young man's workplace, a fabric store, okay, a fabric a place that produced fabric. How about that, Brother Larry? And uh, it it became shortly after that it became a place where hardly anybody was a Christian. To some place where, if you worked there, you couldn't hardly not become a Christian. And yet today. Some of the good work they do is still good, but most of the Christian part of the YMCA is no longer. As a matter of fact, it's the antithesis in many places of Christianity. The exact opposite of what it was founded to be. You see, if we're not careful as a church, as a church body and as Christians, that evangelical edge will miss our point of being. If we use this, lose the sharpness of sharing the gospel. see loving God means something very special. It may mean different things to different people, but it always means this. Loving God means telling other means telling others about Jesus. Loving God means telling others about Jesus. And so how do we go about being obedient to what we're supposed to do? First of all, is this, we need to be seriously in tune with God's heart for the world. We need to be seriously in tune with God's heart for the world. Now that means some things that we need to remember and we need to believe. The first one is this, the entire world remains lost apart from Jesus. See, there is one way to be saved. In our day, that is... uh, onerous. That means upsetting, uh, ornery, uh, angry. It makes people angry to a world in general because they want us to accept anything and everything. I hear it quite often. I hear it a lot from, from uh, people that you meet. Uh, well, as long as we're doing our best, it's okay. As long as we're trying to get to God, any way will do. Well, The problem with that is is that the entire, entire world remains lost apart from Christ. In John chapter 14, verse 6, you remember Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Uh, Luke, the traveling companion of Paul in Acts uh, chapter 4, verse 12, wrote these words. Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name given among men uh, by which we must be saved except the name of Jesus. Do we understand and believe what the Bible says, that apart from Christ, the world is lost? Do we practice that? Okay. The second truth on being seriously in tune with God's heart for the world is that the entire word, the entire word reveals God's desire for people to know Him. Okay. Okay. Do you understand that from the beginning of the Bible to the end, we see a searching, loving God. After Adam and Eve sinned, God knew what they had done, and yet he goes searching for them and says, Adam, where are you? He knew where Adam was, but he wanted Adam to come to him. We can go on as he, he, if you go down through the Bible and you look at the different ones he sought out. He needed somebody to lead his people out of save, slavery. He sought the backside of a desert and found a shepherd named Moses and drew him close. When his people needed a king, he raised up David to replace Saul who had turned wicked. We could keep going where Jesus calls the twelve to help them share <clears throat> the gospel. In 2 Peter 3.9 he says it this way. For God is not slack concerning His promises, as some men consider slackness about the second coming, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I'm not saying all will. I do not believe in universalism. But God wants as many as possible saved before the consummation of the age. And it's in His grace and His mercy that He has shown us and told us from the Word that God's very design, God's very will, is for as many as possible to be saved. That's why He gave us the love letter in John three sixteen, which says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He who believes is condemned not, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the only begotten Son of God. You see, Jesus is the only way. And we need to be seriously in in tune. That does not mean that I look down my nose at people. It does not mean that I feel superior to them because I am saved and they are not. It means that I realize the entire world is lost apart from Christ. Some of my loved ones, if they don't repent, are going to die and go to hell. All right? Some of my neighbors, some of my buddies, my hunting buddies, okay? Uh, They will die apart from Jesus. Some of the ones that, that I have tried to reach are still lost. And God's Word reveals that He wants them saved. Then the other thing about seriously in tune with God's heart is this. The best news is the entire work rests and results from God's compassion. I'm not responsible and you're not responsible for the decision. We are responsible for sharing that we know Jesus. We are responsible for carrying out the great commission that he gave us when he said and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age." My responsibility and your responsibility is just to simply share. Christ is responsible for the work. I can't save them. You can't save them. God saves them. We're responsible for sharing what we know. Well, I don't know how to witness, Brother Gary. Well, we're going to talk in a few Wednesday nights about how to witness, okay? Try to do some in-house training. But what I want you to understand, if you know Jesus, you know how to witness, The first step in witnessing is having a testimony. What is a testimony? Here's what Jesus did for me. I was lost in my sins. And then tell them how you came to know you were a sinner. Then I believed in Jesus that he was the only way. He was the son of God. He died in my place on the cross. He was buried and he rose again the third day. And I confessed him and asked forgiveness of my sins. That's as simple as it gets. Then you turn your life over to Him. You place your faith in Him. If they don't understand what that means, say He gets to be the boss of your life. They understand that. You see, we need to be seriously in tune with God's heart for the world. Do we understand that? You see, we need to know that God's will for our lives is first first of us for us to be saved and secondly to serve. And one of the ways we serve, it seems funny to me, that we all want to be obedient except when it comes to the point of witnessing. But witnessing, that commandment is given again and again and again. It wasn't just given to the twelve. It was given to all those who believed that were at the mount that he went up. And most scholars think the 120 that had been in the, the upper room, at least that many were there when he ascended to the Father. And he told them, you'll be my witnesses. First in Judea, then Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the world. Okay, so it's for all of us. Okay, and he will make us his witnesses. He will make us fishers of men as we follow close to him, as I said this morning. The second thing that we've got to do so we don't lose our evangelistic edge is not just have God's heart for our world. It's this, to be significantly informed About God's blessings in the world. Significantly informed about God's blessings in the world. I don't watch the news. The news depresses me and makes me angry. I think they're a bunch of liars. Okay, Now that's just me. You don't have to believe that. I do watch uh, Christian news. I do watch and listen to things like the Voice of the Martyrs and other places where God is working because I know that's the truth because God is doing the work. That's what I mean by being significantly informed. Southern Baptists have a hotline you can call to find out about prayers the missionaries give, okay? There are others that you can do the same thing with. Here's what I mean by that. See, do we remember God's wonder-working power? When you read the book of Acts, when you read that he, that he died and he rose from the dead and he commissioned us to, to share the gospel to every creature, do we remember his wonder-working power? God's still at work. Here's what I found out. During India, during a recent crusade, uh, 30,000 were saved on one night. Can you imagine that? Uh, in a restricted country, a restricted country means no missionaries allowed. Christians are liable to be arrested. Some chaplain went into a death row inmate and shared Jesus with him. He accepted Christ there, being a Muslim. He accepted Christ, and before they executed him, he led 42 others on death row to accept Jesus. Okay? What else did I read about? Uh, recently, in a major Muslim nation, they wouldn't say who it was. <clears throat> They got permission. They passed out 200,000 New Testaments. They had permission in a country that never allows missionaries in to pass out 200 New Testaments. Uh, there are Christian radio stations popping up all over, from Cambodia to Saudi Arabia to all over. Now, I don't say in the country. What they do is they broadcast over these countries with these radios. Then the, the country tries to block them, but they have the new technology that's very expensive. But it changes the radio frequency so people can hear the gospel. They they can't be they haven't been blocking this. Okay, uh, then. Uh, The last thing that that I heard about was this, okay? In the Ukraine, you know, part of the former Soviet Union, okay, part of uh, the atheist nation, they are now recording more than 10,000 baptisms a year in that nation. Because missionaries have infiltrated there now and are legal there now, and they are preaching the gospel of Christ, and people are hungry to receive it. You see, God has power. That's why we can go. That's why we can obey. But you see, it follows not only does he have wonder-working power, he has a worldwide purpose, okay? You see, his worldwide purpose is really redeeming people, redeeming you, redeeming me. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall what? Be saved, okay? That's his purpose. And then God has a wise plan, as I shared it and butchered it earlier, that Acts 1-8 passage where he says, after you receive power, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. The Holy Spirit leads us to different places. The Holy Spirit provides us different places to witness. Okay? The clear of His mission plan includes Jerusalem. That's the people nearest to us, that's the people within our sphere of influence. That's why we say, and Galen's good at reminding me of this, we're supposed to impact our community. We do community events, not just uh, uh, to help them, but to show them the love of Jesus because we start in our Jerusalem. Then he says, Judea, that would be Arkansas, the neighboring peoples in our state. Then Samaria, that would be the U.S. In our inner cities now, in our major cities, the new push from the uh, National Mission Board is that we uh, partner with other churches there that need help to try to change those cities. Listen, our country is not going to change, so we start changing people and changing these big cities. And that's possible only with the gospel of Christ. I was surprised to learn that Philadelphia, one of the birthplaces of our nation where freedom rang so loud so many centuries ago, is now uh, the largest growing religion and the largest population now can't claim Islam. okay. And when you ask why, because Islam has been there in those inner cities to tell them about Muhammad and Allah. And they've ministered to their needs when we were afraid to go to those places. See, we need to understand that we're responsible for Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then the uttermost parts of the earth. Uh, That's the people groups who really haven't heard yet. And once they do, I believe Jesus will consummate the age. That's my belief. It may not be yours. But see, that only happens if we're informed about it. Why do we need to be informed about God and what He's doing in other places? So we can pray that He works here, so that He can pray that He works there. Uh, As I shared this morning, that guy who prayed for that one nation in Africa and saw God move in a mighty way and people come to Christ. God ought to impress upon our hearts to pray for different communities. God ought to press upon our hearts to pray for other churches also, as well as our own. God ought to pray for us to that, that those that are in our communities, on our streets, that we pray that God will move up and down our streets and people will get saved. You see, I'm convinced after driving around our community and knowing where the church members live and that we have more than enough people, if they were praying that, God would send revival to our area. You don't know my neighbor. No, but God does. And that's why he put them right next to you. Because he has a sense of humor. Have you ever noticed that? The people that tend to bother us the most, Jesus wants us to reach the most. You haven't heard that one? Oh, yeah. See, I've decided there must be something really wrong with me. Brother contest contested this. <clears throat> he puts more. How do I want to say it? More people with real mental problems in my sphere than anyone else. You don't even have to be outside Walmart. All you gotta do is in Gasville Baptist Church and watch him knock on the door. Okay. (laughs) Is that the truth, Brother Galen? Yeah, he's shaking his head, yes. (laughs) Okay. But that's telling me that get over being afraid and get busy sharing the gospel. Okay. So we're we're we know God's heart. We know what God's doing in the world. The third thing is this. We need to be strategically involved in bringing in God's harvest. You see, first of all, we need to pray consistently for the harvest. In Matthew chapter 9, beginning verse 37 and 38, <clears throat> Jesus said, uh, You say there are four months till harvest. And I say you, the harvest is truly plenteous. It's right now. Lift up your eyes and see the harvest. Okay? Pray to the Lord of a harvest because the workers are few. <clears throat> because the harvest is ready now is what he says. Do we understand that? When you look around, you need to understand that our area is open to spirituality. I didn't say they were open to Christianity. I sp- said spirituality. But isn't the Holy Spirit a spirit of God? So you pray and watch how God moves. Okay? Then we participate consistently in the ministry of the harvest. In John four thirty five again, Jesus said, You need to go out to the harvest. Okay. Uh, um, Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look to the fields. They're already white to harvest. When a field is white to harvest, that means it's ripe. Okay? Uh driving to uh New Mexico, and then driving over to Indiana this summer, uh, there was lots of farmland. And what I noticed, we've had so much rain, and they had had too that normally the winter wheat would already be gone, already be harvested, and the beans would be up and growing. The winter wheat was still in the field, turning from a, a bright yellow to a, a orange or a, a rust color, which means not good. Okay. And what Jesus is saying there, if you've ever seen a field that's been too long and, and the field, the, field, the grain is starting to go bad, he's saying, look, they've sat so long, it's past harvest time. Go out into the harvest. I think Brother Ronnie, I think it was him that sang a, long, a song not long ago, that my house is full but my fields are empty. I really like that song because that's the truth. All my children just want to sit around the table. Well, who doesn't want to sit around God's table? Do you want to sit around God's table because we're with God's kids? You can say, "Amen." I want to do that too. But he said, my fields are empty. The problem with our churches, again, I've said it before. I'm going to keep saying it. Maybe, maybe I'll understand it and you'll understand it. We are a harvest people in the midst of an unsown generation. That means we're used to as Baptists harvesting, harvesting, harvesting. But the rule of harvesting is you have to plant, you have to sow. I mean, you understand that. Those of you that know gardens, what do you put in the ground before you get anything out of it? A seed. You harvest, you plant the gospel seed and you may not harvest it. Somebody else will harvest it, but you'll plant it. God gives the growth and somebody else is involved in the harvest. And sometimes we harvest where we haven't planted, but that's God's grace and God's mercy. And we need to consistently do that. And then we need... To praise continually for the multitudes of the harvest. Revelation chapter 5 verse 9 and 10. And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals. For you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood. Praise the Lord. Notice, out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation and made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on earth. See, we need to be praising God that He's still at work. We need to be praising God that, that uh, He still moves in people's hearts, that people are still being saved. We need to be praying that for our church. <clears throat> now, I read something this week, and I had to think on it a little while because I didn't know if I agreed with it. This guy was talking about worship. And he said, a lot of times worship can be quiet because we meditate and and we worship our God. He said, but praise is never quiet. And I thought, I don't know if I agree with that. He said, praise always involves noise. Praise always involves action. Did you hear that? I didn't like that part. But didn't he mean to quote all the verses where it says to sing a new song to God and play the tambourine. And then he said something about... David dancing, and I thought, I am not dancing, Lord. I'll get Elizabeth up here to do creative movement, and that'll be about it. No. She ain't. She dude, that was bad luck. <laughs> okay. But after that guy rattled my cage in reading that, I thought, he might have something there, because it talks about lifting up holy hands. I'm not used to lifting up hands. It talked about playing the music. It talked about praising with our mouths, how are we going to praise anybody hear the praise if we're silent? He was right. it is active. It's okay, buddy. I'm almost done, and they'll feed you. They starve that poor kid to death. is she Is she blushing yet? Good. Yeah you are. <laughs> it's okay. He doesn't bother me a bit. He sounds sweet. If you hadn't realized it, heaven's going to sound like two things, babies crying and laughing. Amen. I don't think they'll be crying, but they're going to sound like the babies laughing because uh, there's nothing sweeter than that. And we'll be <coughs> praising God. You see, if we're going to not lose our evangelistic edge, we need to realize that when we have these things like the fish fries coming up, okay, it's on the calendar, correct? Okay. Have you already began to plot who you're going to try to get to come with you? I mean, invite them to come. Go pick them up so they'll be here. They'll come to a fresh Fry when they won't come to anything else. And, and this year, we'll try to share a little bit of the simple gospel message and give an invitation and see what God does. When we do the Harvest Festival, okay, and uh, where's Bill? You, you sign up, people, there all the time, don't you, Bill? Bill has a lot of fun signing up those kids. But you realize every year we have people from our community that I haven't met yet. Can you be here to walk around and meet people? To help out? I mean, there's a bunch of them work work like everything. Okay? I can give you a hint. Don't volunteer for the cotton candy machine. It is a mess. Anybody want to amen that one? No, It's one of the most popular ones. But you see, they just need people to greet them. They need people to sign them in. They need people to walk among them. You see, do we understand what God is doing all that? And we make those events so you can participate. I'm working on getting back to a once a month, either Monday or Tuesday night visitation. We're going to start setting it up. I need you to come. And if you don't want to come, I want you to enlist somebody once a month from your Sunday school. It doesn't have to be the same person every time as a teacher. You just get somebody, get four of them, and say you're the first month, second month, third month, and then we'll find some other people to do it. Why is that important? They expect me to visit. They expect me to show up. They don't expect you to show up. So we've got to get back to those things so we don't lose our evangelistic edge. So... What do we do about this message? I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. Some might need to come tonight and just say, Lord, it's been so long since I shared my faith, or it has never happened. And I'm going to submit to you and ask you to teach me how to share my faith so that I can do that. You just come to the altar. You don't have to talk to me. It's just between you and God. Some need to come in rededication and say, I haven't even thought about the loss in so long. I'm dealing with my own problems and I lose sight of what God has me here for. And you want to come in rededication. Maybe you're here and you can't invite anybody to come to your church because you're not a member. And you want to become a member by baptism or statement or letter. Put your life and work here in this place. Be counted on in this place. Maybe you need to come and accept Christ as your Savior because you don't have a testimony. But God wants you to. I'm going to pray. and Then we're going to stand. You come as you need to come. Father God, we thank you for tonight. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us to be here. Thank you for your word. Lord, we just ask that you would help us to share Jesus wherever you plant us. In Christ's name, amen.